Well, thank you, first of all, for inviting me. You know, God does not make mistakes, does he? So it was funny. I was in um, Fairbanks, Alaska with one of my lifelong friends back in May. We were celebrating Mother's Day together, and Timothy called me. And I'm like, that was awesome because I knew the time was coming, and God had the perfect timing. So I got to come here. I got to just be drenched in the anointing and get a science lesson. (laughs) But isn't that awesome? Oh, my goodness. You know, I don't think about that. So bringing us back to earth, let's see, here we are in Redding, California. So, um, wow, it's awesome. It's just really awesome. So thank you so much for inviting me to be here. And I just want to say that... um, I know I see a few familiar faces here. I'd say old faces, but, you know, they don't get any older than mine. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Bob and I was here at Bethel a couple times. And uh, anyhow, so this was neat to come to the eagle's nest. And, um, you know, anytime I go anywhere, I always ask the Lord for something fresh. Right now... He has commissioned me to take one of Bob's old messages, Gulliver's, um, Gulliver's Travels, Gulliver's Prophecy. Do you, are you familiar with that at all? Remember the story with Gulliver, the giant that laid down, you know, he was tied down by people, the Lilliputians, people of little input. Anyhow, so, <laughs> but he's awakening, and that's a message I will probably bring tomorrow night. But that's something the Lord commissioned me to take to the body of Christ. So, um, but being here, I asked the Lord, you know, what is on your heart for Reading? What do you want to share with your people here? So, you know, if you ask, he gives you something, you know. Really, last night I just wanted a good night's sleep because I was tired from flying all day and sitting in airports. But... I really, you know, my heart was for you, and what does he want to share with you? So that's what I intend to do is share that with you tonight. So let me just pray first, and Lord, I just ask you to speak through me your words, your spirit, your truth, your love, your joy. Lord, let my words not um, be of myself but of your Holy Spirit. Open the hearts of your people to hear your word and to receive them in love, in Jesus' name. You know, before I share the word, I want to say, you know, it's sometimes the Lord will give us a difficult word to bring. And, you know, it's his word. Something the enemy is really trying to do, working overtime to do, is to bring a confusion in the body of Christ and to bring a division He's very good, and he's had lots of practice, thousands of years of practice of twisting the words that we say. And it's something I've prayed, you know, I, I really wanted to serve the Lord however he wanted me to, but if he's going to have me speak, I said, Lord, you know, I, I don't have big fancy words. That's just not me. I don't understand big fancy words. So I said, just, you know, give me something simple, but let me bring it with a clarity. Because there's so much confusion, let me bring a clarity to the body of Christ. So he's faithful to give me simple things. How's that? 
And when he gives me a big word that I don't understand, I look it up. So, <laughs> okay. So, but this morning, the first thing that I saw was, um, I saw like a, it looked like a telephone pole with this uh, camera, like a monitor sitting on the very top of it. And it was monitoring, it was a like a flickering light on that pole, on that monitor. And I felt the Lord was saying that he was watching you. This is his eagle's nest. Okay, I know that Bob had a prophecy a long time ago about the eagle's nest, and I think he had three or four locations. But this is a place of the eagle's nest, and his eye is upon you. It's upon Redding to be that nest, a place of birthing young eagles. Now, eagles, of course, speak of visions. Bob made a, um, a tape one time. I think we have it out here above the snake line. It's about the eagles. You know, the eagle has the greatest vision of any bird, and it can fly higher than any other bird. It can go above the snake line. It can go where the devil can't go. And that's what Timothy was talking about, too. You know, we can go much higher. When you go in the spirit, you can see things, hear things, feel things, smell things that the enemy, you know, he, just ha he doesn't have access to those things. Bob used to live in this place. When we first got married, I didn't understand what he was doing. And, you know, he was just like, as he would say, you're there. He was there. And I'd say, hey, Bob, can you come back to earth so we can eat? You know, I just come back to reality here because, you know, we have a life to live too. But, you know, I just, you know, when, when you get married, you know, you have to learn about the other person. And, boy, being married to a prophet, <laughs> you really had a lot to learn. So, praise the Lord, you know. I thank him <laughs> for his grace. <laughs> but, but anyhow, so, you know, there's an eagle's nest here. And I believe that Timothy, and now I'm going to forget your name. My goodness. What? There you go, Glenda. I don't know why I was going to call you something else, but anyhow, maybe it's prophetic. But they've been chosen to steward the eagle's nest. It's no mistake that God gave them this name for their ministry a long time ago. So here's some things that the Lord was saying to me today. Listen, a word I bring in spirit and truth with love. That's what the Lord always told me. It's important that we're obedient. You know, if we want to hear, how many of us want to hear from God? Yeah, all of us, I think. Okay. But part of hearing is obeying. There's no point in hearing from God if you're not going to obey what he says. Okay. Yeah, I think the children of Israel got in trouble a long time ago when they said, you know, we don't want to hear you anymore. You know, they were frightened by the voice of God. Well, you know, he's our beloved. We want to hear his voice, but we want to hear it and obey. So this morning, this is what the Lord, after I saw this flickering light, this is what the Lord said to me. I, I began to hear... Some of you may remember Arthur Burt. He just died like two years ago. He was 102 years old. Okay. In the year Bob was born, 1930, Arthur Burt, he was a prophet from Wales. He was in a meeting with Smith Wigglesworth. Do you remember that name? Okay. 
and of course, Smith Wigglesworth was his mentor. But he was in a meeting, and this young girl who had very, uh, she was kind of like not altogether there, and she couldn't talk very well, but she began to prophesy, and she brought this word. And I'll, I'll read you the word, but this morning I heard, there shall come a wind, and I knew it was this prophecy, okay? But here's the word that uh, Arthur Burt had from 1930. There shall come a breath, and the breath shall bring the wind, and the wind shall bring the rain, and the rain shall bring the floods, and the floods shall bring the torrents, and torrents, and so shall they be saved like the falling leaves from the mighty oaks, swept by a hurricane into a great forest. Arms and legs shall come down from heaven, and there shall be no ebb. Now, when I heard this, I heard there shall come a wind. And I thought, if the wind is coming, then obviously the breath has already come. The breath of, of God has already breathed us up, upon us and now upon his body. And now it's time for the wind. Does that make any sense? Okay. We have lots of songs about the breath of God, the wind of God. And now the Lord began to speak to me regarding Reading. He said, Reading now. See, God didn't say now Reading. He said, Reading now. <laughs> Reading now would be, turned in, would be the turning point of Bob's prophecy. And I think what I'm going to do is read, read what the Lord said to me, and then we'll go back over it, okay? Is that all right? I'm having a hot flash up here. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> okay. I'm just a little warmish. Okay. So here, this is what the Lord said. I'm going to read it, and then we'll go back over it. Reading now would be the turning point of Bob's prophecy. And in the time of harvest, you shall see ones arise out of the dust and come forth in an anointing unlike and unequaled to that of former moves of God. There shall be a wind blow upon the earth and in the earth that man shall not understand. But let me tell you, it is me shaking the unlikeliness of, man, of me from mankind. My hand is upon reading for greatness and power and love and joy. Can they swallow this pill of disappointment from their own bottle? They have looked to man for approval instead of me for disapproval and walked according to their own will, not mine. In this day, I'm raising up an unlikely troop of warriors in the spirit of Elisha to usher in the bride and groom. Yes, both. You see, you can't have one without the other. The bride has been prepared, but many have overlooked the groom. Get ready, for here he comes, speaking of the Lord, full throttle, and ready to bear forth children of the groom. My hand is upon reading for greatness. Watch the next three years what I do. In the absence of mercy, my grace abounds. And then he said for me to teach love, faith, and joy, and usher in the bride. 
bride and groom. Ooh, I feel cool air. There comes the wind. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you very much. Okay. Well, here's what I'm, I just, you know, to me that was kind of a tough word for Reading. But, you know, when God gives a tough word, it's because he has great promises here. And I'll say this, when Lynn and I, my son, he disappeared, but my son and I have been taking this Gulliver prophecy beginning in Ohio because in the prophecy that's where, you know, Gulliver was laying down. His head was in Cleveland, Ohio. And what we've run into is a really big religious spirit. And we've been told prior to, you know, maybe two hours before a meeting, I'll get a text message and they'll say, we want you to release a blessing, but please don't talk about this or this. Just release a blessing. Okay? Well, <laughs> you just can't have one without the other. You know? That's that love and marriage, you know? Yeah. Okay. You have to have the whole deal. It's a full deal meal. You got to have it all. And God wants so much to bless Reading, the Northwest, with all those regions you were saying, you know, the Pacific Northwest, he wants to bless you here. But, it, you know, it doesn't come for free. There has to be obedience. There has to be correction made. So I'm going to go over this again. There's the breath of God, the wind of God. Reading now would be the turning point of Bob's prophecy. So the prophecy he gave here was for the eagle's nest to be formed. And there are several different places that the eagle's nest would come. And in the time of harvest, you shall see ones arise out of the dust and come forth in an anointing unlike and unequaled to that of former moves of God. Before Bob and I met, I was living in Alaska, and that's when Bob's wife passed. They were married 53 years, and suddenly she, she died of a heart attack at home. The Lord spoke to me about months before about praying for Bob, okay? What he said was, um, this was December of 2004. He said, most people mock Bob Jones, and when they mock Bob Jones, they mock my Holy Spirit. But today I elevate him to first class and bring you along beside him. Now I thought, honest to goodness, <laughs> you'd showed me the month before in writing Bob Jones Sears Academy. So I thought I was going to be someone who would attend Bob Jones Sears Academy, thinking he was going to start a school. Well, that wasn't it at all, okay? <laughs> but, uh, but what he spoke to me also that day regarding uh, Dick Clark and Hillary Clinton. If you can believe those three people fit in the kind of sa same category or conversation. But, but he said to me, he said, yes, I want Bob with me, but I need him there to raise up the leaders in the church. He said, will you begin to pray for him to extend years to his life? And I said, yes, Lord. I mean, how difficult could that be to pray for somebody, right? So I spent hours every day in prayer for him, so that was December, and his wife died in uh, March. And then the Lord really showed me Bob was very vulnerable, and I needed to increase my prayer for him. Little did I know I was praying for my husband, right? <laughs> but 
Just before he sent me back to the Carolinas, he spoke to me and said, out of the dust of the earth come the Elijahs. Elishas follow. And I'm sending you back to raise up my Elishas. Okay. Now he's speaking to me here and in which I'll share with you tomorrow night about this Gulliver prophecy, we're releasing the Elisha anointing. That's what he's commissioned us to do. Okay, so this group that's coming now are the Elishas. It's that Elisha anointing. You are called to the greater works. Do you know that? Do you believe it? Come on, heads, bobble, bobble. Okay. See, many years ago, Holy Spirit took Bob and weighed him on a scale. It was the Elijah scale. And he told Bob then, this is what you're called to be, an Elijah prophet. Don't ever try to be anything else because this is what I've called you to be. If you knew Bob at all, you would hear him say, my ceiling, so his ceiling must be our floor. And we knew that he was called as the Elijah, and I was called as the Elisha who would follow, and that is what the Lord said before he sent me back from Alaska. Raise up my leaders, the, Eli the Elijahs and the Elishas. So now it's your turn to be the Elishas. Everything we do is by faith. Freely we receive, freely we give. Okay, you were called to walk in the greater works, okay? But there's always that price to pay. It's called obedience. Tonight, I don't know about you, but when during that time of just worship and Timothy was walking and we were singing, and I don't know about you, but I've just felt like, a, like Holy Spirit was just washing me clean. You know, any residue of anything that's in there, he was just cleaning it out. And that's what we want. We want to be... Pure as the driven snow, you know, just clean so God can use us. You know, if we don't, and I'd hear Bob say this, you know, if there's like a hurt in you, a wound, and you minister to somebody, you're going to minister out of that woundedness. I know it's one of the first times I met Bob, he told me that, he said, well, I see you got a lot of scars. And I thought, what? I'm totally dressed, and what's, what in the world? What is he seeing? Uh, yeah, I thought he's a little bit weird. But, you know, I, as he went on to explain, he's like, I had a lot of opportunity. I had been betrayed and hurt in many ways. But, you know, they were wounds to start with, but they were healed over because I forgave quickly. You know, forgive, let it go, and love, and love. Can you do that? Those wounds become scars. So that's what he was seeing. He was seeing the scars. We've probably got a lot, all of us, a lot of battle scars, right? You can have wounds. If you minister out of woundedness, you're going to be ministering those wounds upon other people, and they won't get healed, and you never will either. So that's why there's that cleansing going on. Okay, there shall be a wind blow upon the earth and in the earth that man shall not understand. See, we need to come into a unity with God so that we gain understanding. 
We want to understand his will, his way, his thought. The only way we do that is to spend time with him. You know, God right now is answering prayers. He's answering them in his way, not our way. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that? Yeah. We've been crying out for how long? Second, Second Chronicles 7.14, right? And God's heard our prayer. You know, I've been praying for a long time. You know, I want justice in this nation, you know. Well, he's bringing about justice. I was praying, Lord, you know, uncover the things that have been hidden, all that wickedness that needs dealt with. Oh, boy, is he ever, you know. Yeah. God's giving us, you're right, a man cannot save this nation, but God is giving us a righteous man to turn this nation around, okay. (laughs) Did he come in the package that we were expecting? No. We thought maybe Franklin Graham, you know, or Mike Huckabee, you know. Yeah, Mike Huckabee, you know. But, I mean, we, you know what, Bob Bob and I were both just really frustrated about Mr. Obama (laughs) the first time. Second time, I went into hiding for three days. I'm like, I can't believe it. I couldn't believe that the body of Christ, the people in this nation, whatever, could be so greatly deceived again, Okay. But they have been. So, but you know what? God can't come down and push the button. We, the people, cast our vote. So, you know, there you go. So, once again, we have opportunity. Man is not, God is answering our prayers. It just doesn't look like what we think. Years ago, well, I'll I'll share you. When I was in Alaska, the Lord, do I need something? Are you sure it's not me? Okay. <laughs> no, when I was in a, is this on? Can you hear me now? Check, check. Okay. Okay. Can you hear me now? Use Verizon. It's the least amount of dropped calls. Okay, there we go. Um, no, when I was living in Alaska, the Lord told me to make a list of what I wanted in a husband. And I'm like, I don't want one. I don't want to make a list. <laughs> so I'm like, no, 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 no. So and the Lord said, make me a list. I'm like, you know, did you ever argue with God? I'm like, no, I don't want one. So I'm not going to make a list. So I felt like I had this hand right here. And he said, make me a list. So I'm like, <laughs> at me so living in Alaska you have to walk on ice you know I mean the snow just doesn't melt it's because there's no sunshine in the winter so I put on my spiked shoes and I went for a nice walk in the cold dark grumbling grumbling and complaining because I don't want a husband and I don't want to make a list so that's what I did (laughs) and I got cold and a really cold nose and I'm like okay so I come back and I'm like you know, the Lord said again, make me a list. I'm like, <laughs> so here was my list, a list in the husband that I don't want. But I said, he has to love God above all things. He has to be established, already established in ministry. He has to know more than me so he can teach me. 
He couldn't intimidate me. I couldn't intimidate him. We would minister together, and in all things that we did, we would glorify the Lord. And I signed my name to it, and I pushed it across the table. I'm like, there. That was my list. (laughs) See, God tricked me. (laughs) That was really his list that he planted in me. But then that heaviness, you know, left. And I'm like, wow. That was easy. I should have done that the first time instead of arguing with him and going out in the cold. But, you know, little did I know. See, that list I was making was his list. It was, it was Bob, you know, because I thought at the time, <laughs> he'll never find anybody like that. So I didn't worry about it. <laughs> so, but um, really, here's the list that I had years before. This was my thought of a man. Tall, thin, hair, teeth, money, (laughs) a nice job, you know, a nice car, treat me like a lady, like my kids. You know, that was the kind of stuff I was looking for. See, I had Tom Selleck in mind, (laughs) and God had Bob Jones in mind. (laughs) But see, I didn't put age or color or anything like that. I just made him the list. But see, when God gives us the desire of our heart, he just... He tricks us, but it's really his desire that when we conform to his likeness, see, our desire becomes his. So there you go. But I still like to watch Tom Selleck. How's that? So anyhow, I think I got off track somewhere, but uh, (laughs) anyhow. Was I talking about obedience? Boy, I sure didn't want a husband, but God had other plans. And he really did. You know, everything we do in life is a stepping stone for the next thing we're going to do. Yeah. Yeah. So so I said with Bob, well, my son, his daddy was um, 14 years older than me. Bob was 20 years older. His dad was a Marine. Bob was a Marine. You know? See, so I I learned how to live with that once a Marine, always a Marine attitude. (laughs) You know, how to adjust to the older way of thinking, you know. Uh, But you know what? (laughs) But I learned learned a lot from Lynn's daddy. I really did. And I learned a lot more from Bob, you know. So there you go. God has plans and purposes for us, and we just need to, you know, get in touch with him and say, Lord, what are you doing? Like right now, Lord, what are, you, what are you doing? Why am I here? But you know what he told me? You give me your friends and I'll give you mine. Well, what, what kind of a deal was that? Looky here, you know? I got to be Bob's wife and have all you guys as my friend. You know, had I not obeyed the Lord, I did not want to get married. I didn't care how anointed the person was, even including it being Bob, and he, to me, has always been the most anointed person I've ever known, but I just had a love for Jesus, period, and I just wanted to be with him. I didn't have a house or car or anything. I got less than $250 a month to live on. I lived by faith, but I'm like, hey, I've got Jesus. What more do I need? You know, I mean, what more do I need? But see, he had greater plans for me, so I got to have Jesus and a lot more. So it was a fun trip, and now I'm on another trip. How's that? <laughs> you know what? It's great when you travel with the Lord because he doesn't take up space, you know? <laughs> you don't have to buy him a ticket, you know? <laughs> and Holy Spirit's the best person to ever go shopping with. You know, he always finds me good, good deals, you know? 
Yeah. We used to, in Alaska, because I just didn't have any money, we, we shopped at the Salvation Army. And I got really good deals. <laughs> Is that prophetic or what? Oh, goodness. Okay. Well, Lord, help me. I better, I better have a drink. <laughs> Okay, where were we at here? We're talking about the wind blowing on the earth. Okay. <laughs> there shall be a wind and blow up on the earth and in the earth, and man shall not understand. But let me tell you. See, I love it when the Lord talks like that. It is me shaking the unlikeness of me from mankind. And I'm like, well. So whatever there is in us that's not in agreement with him He's just asking us to surrender it to him, you know, because we need to be like him, okay? I like to take communion every day, and that's what I ask the Lord every day. Show me what's in me that's not of you so I can repent of it. It's not good enough just if he shows you, okay? You know, okay, so he shows you. Then you better repent of it. And stop doing it. And it's really not, it's not difficult. He said, my hand is upon reading for greatness and power and love and joy. Four things, greatness and power and love and joy. Can they swallow this pill of disappointment from their own bottle? See, I think that has to do with the religious spirit that's been hovering over the body of Christ. I can't say it's limited here. The Lord showed us there's this beautiful, beautiful man, as, I, as we saw him as like Gulliver, trying to get into the church. But the church doesn't want him. The church sees him as the enemy. And it's really the Lord. The Lord's trying to say, let me in. I just want to come in and love you and preserve you. And call you my own. I want to protect you. But they're saying, oh no, you're the enemy. Stay out. They have looked to man. This is here in Reading. They have looked to man for approval instead of me for disapproval. And walked according to their own will, not mine. We as people are used to, we want to be independent. And we would like to make decisions for ourselves, And that's good. But it's much better when we're his dependent and make decisions according to his will. Life goes so much easier. Do you ever just like, oh, my gosh, I'm at the end of my wits and I don't know what to do. And the Lord's probably sitting there going, why don't you ask me? You know? So for this region... It's a pill. <laughs> Can they swallow this pill? It's a pill of disappointment. I remember when the Lord told me I had to swallow a pill, and I would swallow the whole thing. See, you can't just bite off a piece of it. you got to do the whole thing. So I think what the Lord is saying, look to him. Let's begin here in Reading to make decisions according to his will not your will. You know, it starts with one. As a body, I would really like to see leadership in this area come together 
begin to unite, have meetings. You know, Bob brought a word like this down in um, Shreveport, Louisiana. He saw that there was bad blood between the leadership. And he said, you guys are going nowhere until you begin to come together in unity. And for a very short time, maybe two, three months, they began to meet together. And after that, it was a big division. So I don't think it's God's heart for people to be divided. You know, believe it or not, we're, we're all different people, but yet we're one body. And God made us that way. But if you have odds with somebody, you might as well just get over it. Okay? Because think about God loves each one of us with all of his heart, with all of his being. He doesn't love you more than you or you or, you know. That's why I said Mrs. Clinton makes me very, you know, disgusted. But God loves her as much as he does me or Billy Graham, okay, or you. He loves us all the same. And we need to get over our odds with other people, okay? We can love people. Look past their flaws. Goodness, if, if people just, what if God looked at us and saw all of our flaws? He looks, <laughs> he looks through the eyes of love to see us, okay? And that's something that really needs to be mended here. And I don't know if um, you would probably know, I don't, if leaders in the, in the church here locally come together, there, you, there should be somebody putting something together or different ones putting things together so the body can come together. I lived in this little bitty town in North Dakota for a while, 461 people, but there was like seven churches, you know. Honestly, goodness, there was. I'm telling you what, there was a lot of, and one closed down. The Lutheran church closed. But um, 461 people, including me, we didn't even have a, a stoplight, you know. There was one stop sign. I mean, we didn't need it. There was one of everything, and that was it. <laughs> but you know what they did, and this was really neat. The Methodist uh, church, and it was a lady pastor there. They had like, except the Catholic church, they had the largest church in, in this nice um, dining area. So every month they had a, a nice gathering there. And all the churches, people, all 461 of us came through. And we had pancakes. And, you know, I mean, everybody was one. You know, and they probably went back and gossiped about everybody, but they all came together, you know, honest. But they did. That was a great place. See, that was a little stepping stone for me. 461 people. How fun. And the Lord put me at the only grocery store. And they even had people from Canada coming down, especially little old ladies coming down to buy their cigarettes. <laughs> I was one mile from the Canadian border. So anyhow, those little ladies come down to buy their cigarettes at my store. And you know what? That was my place of ministry. Okay? That's the only place the Lord would let me work. And then he wouldn't let this store owner hire anybody else except me. You know, guy, it took him two weeks to hire me, and he didn't want to. Hmm. But <laughs> so I scared him. But you know what? That's where 
that's where my ministry was. So everybody, I had to ring everybody up, you know, and and um, you had to ask them, even if they only bought a candy bar, could you, could I take it to the car for you, you know? So, you know, and I'd get those little old ladies, I'd ask them, you know, can I pray for you? And they'd say, oh, because everybody was sick in that town. Everybody was sick. So I said, can I pray for you? And they'd say, oh, yeah, honey, when you go to bed tonight, just remember me. I said, how about now? You know? <laughs> so see, I got to pray for everybody. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, you know, this, I love to tell this story. This one man, he, every day at noon, he would come into the store, and he bought two things, a banana and a frozen Snickers bar. And I thought, what in the world? I don't remember his name, but I, he did every single day at noon. So I asked him finally one day, I think his name was Jim. I said, Jim, why is it every day, every day you buy that banana and a frozen Snickers bar? And he said, well, I've got this disease. And he told me what, you know, it's a 17-letter name, you know, whatever the disease is. And um, he said, there's only two people in all the world that has it, and one is me. And... I said, well, let me pray for you, because that's what he needed to eat, you know? And I said, well, let me pray for you so you're healed. He said, oh, no, oh, no, no. This is, he's like Job. He's suffering for Jesus. And if he gets, you know, he, that was his, that was his, like, punishment, and he was suffering. I'm like, this is how he's glorifying God. I said, well, don't you think it would glorify the Lord if you got healed? Then you could say, like, I don't have this disease anymore. He got so mad at me, he would not come back in the store. So every day at noon, he sent one of the school kids in to buy his banana and frozen Snickers bar. And I'm like, okay, he was just suffering. Is he, see, but I mean, that's some people's mentality. Yeah. Oh, well. Well, I want to get back here to our stuff. He swallowed his bottle all right. <laughs> okay. So in this day, I'm raising up an unlikely troop of warriors in the spirit of Elisha to usher in the bride and the groom. Okay, you know what? You guys are probably unlikely characters. You're a troop. You're a group. Hey, you know, you're the army of God, you know? Yeah, and you're coming in power and authority, right? So you're unlikely, and you're moving in that spirit of Elisha, the greater works. Think about, if you read about Elijah and Elisha, you know, Elijah was a rather frumpy old man. You know, and he he just grumbled and griped and complained all the time. Did mighty things, but you know, then he got afraid and he ran up. He never did complete what he was called to do, and Elisha had to complete it. But Elisha, he just had a different mindset, and he was he really was a warrior, and he he moved in a greater anointing, and that's what you're called to do. If you're sitting here today, you are called to the Elisha ministry, the greater works. And just like me, you're the same way. I might have been stuck in this little baby town with these sickly people, but anytime anybody came into where I was, I got to pray for them. I got to pray for some guy one time up there. Listen to this. They had this Plymouth Brethren. Did you ever hear of the Plymouth Brethren? Yeah. Well, they were a strange group. They had a church with no windows, this big church, no windows. And I didn't know anything about him. And here comes this guy up the street one day, and, and I was going down my stairs and met him head on. And he said he's going to up the corner to evangelize. I'm like, wow, can I go with you? 
<laughs> and so, see, they had a prophet in the church, and he died. So, you know, this guy, he said, I was already saved. But I said, well, if I got saved today, would you let me? I wanted to go to his church. I wanted to visit all the church. He said, no, I couldn't go there. I said, why not? Well, you're not one of us. I said, well, how do I get to be one of you? <laughs> you know, everything I said to that man offended him. And he finally said he was just late. You know, he's got to go stand on the <laughs> Somebody in that town wasn't saved yet. You know, I don't know who. Because they all had churches. Everybody went to church, but everybody was sick. And I don't know. They didn't act like they were really godly people. But anyhow, any place that you are, that's where you can minister. I'm getting like way off somewhere, but something's going to fall into place. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. So you're called to the Elisha ministry. Now, why are you called to this ministry? It is to usher in the bride and the groom. Okay, we've been in a time of great preparation for the bride. The bride has been prepared, but many have overlooked the groom. We have been in a great time of pre in preparation, preparing the bride, preparing the bride, preparing the bride. But what are we preparing her for? Hello, open, open quick. The groom, yeah, Jesus is coming. Okay, you know there's the foolish virgins and the wise virgins. And I think there, we've had a lot of um, foolishness in the body of Christ. But Jesus is coming. And what is he coming to do? He's coming to produce children, okay? As I said, be, he's coming to be ready to bear forth children of the groom. Okay, why do we need these children? They are going to be Christ-like. In this Gulliver prophecy that I'll talk about, the reproductive organs are in Cincinnati, Ohio. Well, what are we reproducing there? See, it's just, that's just symbolic of the body the whole body of Christ, sons and daughters. We need to be walking in a Christ-like nature, okay? Do we produce sons and daughters? That's what the Christ-like nature is. He's coming, Jesus is coming to marry his bride, the church, and out of that marriage comes reproduction. It's like the son is coming to kiss the bride, Think about song, song of Solomon. You know, he is my beloved. I am his. You know, I just love that picture. But, you know, when a husband and wife get together, what happens? You know, usually babies come, right? Some are little late bloomers like my son. <laughs> but, boy, I'll tell you, when those babies come, well, he didn't have the babies. His wife did. But anyhow, no. My daughter got married young and has three boys. They're like 21, 17, and 14. And then he was 35 when he got married, 40 when the first one came, and they're four and a half, three, and two, and another one on the way. So, but you know, it happens. Some of it, sometimes it takes a little while. Sometimes we just need to mature a little bit. The Lord said, watch. My hand is on ready, reading for greatness. Watch the next three years what I do. Now, I'm, 
I'm keeping track of this. Three years from now, that would make it 2019. I think there's a key in that, in the three years. And I really look at it being as 2020, 2020, I think is when you'll see a, like a, a leaps and bounds. It's going to be far greater. In the absence of mercy, my grace abounds. We need God's mercy, and we need his grace. We can't be without it. There's a birthing of wisdom taking place. We need wisdom to open the door to eternity. Recently, the Lord told me to look beyond into eternity. You know, we can get stuck and complacent where we're at. We look back, we look forward. He said to look beyond the hourglass, that's what it was. In an hourglass, you have basically sand at the top, which would represent the past, and that little stem in the middle would be the present, and the bottom would be the future. But we can get stuck in the past. Anything in the past that we're stuck on will prevent us from looking at the future. We could even get stuck in the present. We want to look into the future, but you can look beyond that into the eternal realm. That's what Timothy was talking about. There's so much. See, God is eternal, and we're made in his image. We are eternal beings. We can live in that place of eternity with him. The Lord was giving me, and he still does, but when he began giving me these experiences where, you know, he took me to Lazarus' tomb, and I was like, I could taste and smell everything from that time. I knew I was there. I could hear. I could hear what was being said. And I could, uh, everything smelled like of that day. But I thought, I, in reality, like how, I was in my bed. It's like I was there, and then I was like back in my bed. And how in the world could I be there and here? I was at, and Lynn, Lynn knows, I, I was at 911. And that was such a frightening experience. I'm going to share that. On 911, it was my first day of school at Morningstar. I was a first year student, Lynn was a second year student. And we shared an apartment together. So we went to school, you know, we saw, they you know, showed on, you know, the screen what was happening. And we came home, we both needed to go get our driver's license renewed for North Carolina. So we got in the car, started out from our apartment uh, complex, and all of a sudden I saw this, these flames, uh, I, I can't even explain it, but it was so horrible. And I said, I, I was in hell. I knew, I, I really believed I was in hell, and it was 6 o'clock in the morning. 
and I got instantly sick. I had, I like was so sick. I told him turn, turn around, take me back, because um, I had like a hundred and what three or four fever, and I was just sick, and I didn't know what had happened to me. I really thought that I had gone to hell, and it was Robin, because what I saw in this was flesh like melting off of bodies, and I could smell it and everything. So I thought I was in hell. And the next day when I went to Morningstar and I told the pastor, Robin McMillan, what I saw, he said, you weren't in hell, you was at 911. Because he told me, he described to me, you know, what it was like there, what they showed on TV and how they explained it. Because we didn't have TV at that time. So now how in the world could have I been someplace like three hours earlier than what had happened? See, I couldn't understand that. But in eternity, it had already happened. And the Lord could take me there. What I had explained to me was my in my soul, it took time when I came to the reality when the Lord showed me that again, uh, my soul had to catch up with my spirit. And when it did, that's why I got like instantly sick and had a high fever and everything. Because I thought I didn't know if I was going to live or not. I mean, I was just like violently ill. But God can take us anywhere in eternity. Everything that you have ever done or will do, and that's what I'll say, anything that you are going to do, you have already done in eternity. That's why that road is narrow and few travel it. We are trying to align ourselves with the will of God and walk with him, okay? That's why I was already married to Bob. I already walked out everything that I did with him, and now I'm walking on, okay? Everything that you are doing, you've already done. Jesus had already gone to the cross. So what is the Lord saying to you? Look into that eternal realm. What does he have for you? See? Are you, as they say, tracking with me? Yeah. See, I've already been here and given you this message a long time ago. <laughs> I'll just wait. I've gotta, I got to remember the joke I told you a long time ago. I'm going to Cape Town October 1st, so I'm going to see in that eternal realm, Lord, let me get there fast so I'm not jet-lagged when I get there. How's that? No. But, no, in reality, we have already done everything that we're going to do. We've already done it. When the Lord started training me years ago, and I'm saying this is like 2001, he took me places, and he was showing me things for a future purpose, things that he showed me and told me. He said, like they, I wasn't to repeat them. They were for another time. And when I would need them, then he would release it to me. But I've already done it. I've been in the garden. I've been at the end. I've been with Jesus. I've been at the cross. You know, when I was there with Lazarus, I spoke Old King James. Honest to goodness, because when the Lord said to roll, roll back the, the, the stone, 
And you know what? Lazarus came out of that tomb, and I said, Lord, he stinketh not. See, I spoke old King James. But he didn't. He didn't stink. Remember, Martha said he's going to smell bad. But he didn't, because when he came out, he had the breath of God in him. He had that breath of life. He didn't stink. Yeah. See? But you can be anywhere that God wants to take you. And I think that if we begin seeking him for that greater purpose, I wasn't called here just to be here. Where does God want me? Where's the next place? Trust me, I never thought I'd be going to do what I'm doing with this traveling, doing this Gulliver thing. But in reality, I've already done it. You know? So that's why I said when I go someplace new, I'm seeking him for what he's already given me. Okay? And you all can do the same thing. Okay. Well, you know what? Hey, I got something else I want to share with you. Oh, I'm sitting up in over here with the breeze. Feels so good. Well, I mentioned Arthur Burt. He was 102 years old when he died. What an amazing man. It was funny when, when him and Bob would get together. You get these, excuse my French, these two old geezers together, you know, <laughs> that really loved the Lord, and they both were like in that realm with the Lord. It was just amazing to hear the two of them talk, you know. And the last that I saw... Uh, Arthur at the house he must have been let's see 99 at the time okay <laughs> he is so cute but he he would fall asleep quite often okay so there was his friend um, Willie he'd bring his bagpipes and he'd play you know Amazing Grace for us and, and Bob and you know when, when Arthur was awake they'd talk anyhow <laughs> But all of a sudden, Arthur was sitting there the one, the one time, and, and he's talking, and then he's asleep, and then, then he woke up. And when he woke up, I mean, he was in a trance, and he just began speaking. And the Lord reminded me of this this morning, and I really feel it's for you here, for you eagles, okay? You're all eagles. Do all of you have dreams and visions? See, God wants you to soar higher and higher and higher, Okay? And we'll be talking a lot about love. Everything you do, you must do it in love, okay? If you don't do it in love, don't do it at all. Because if you do, then I'll just have to come spank you. <laughs> Ask my son. He knows he's been spanked before. <laughs> okay. Well, this is, okay, I wish I had a picture of Arthur. Arthur is just a little old white-haired man, just cute as could be, and 100 years and 99 years old at this time. But he's asleep and just opens his eyes and his mouth and he starts speaking. Does the eagle fly higher than any other creature? The eagle flies completely alone. The eagle moves into the dimension of beyond. Eagles mount up. It takes them three days to mount up into a dimension in God that makes him peculiar. See, the eagle is peculiar. Seers are peculiar. 
He goes farther into a realm no one else touches. He enters into a realm whereby everything he has is replenished, renewed, and restored. The eagle goes into beyond of beyond. His youth is renewed. Is it fact? Is it truth? Does it really happen? He makes discoveries no one else touches. He taps and touches where all mankind finishes. Thy youth shall be renewed. He shall receive from the hand of God something none of us ever had. He'll enter into the emptiness of nothingness to be clothed in righteousness. In the handiwork of God, something is given that has never been before. It is really, actually, truthfully. Teach me, touch me, breathe upon me, that I may know the eagle, and he shall become my portion. See, he's speaking of the Lord. My youth renewed like the eagle. This realm is so far and high, nothing can get near it. The nest, he enjoys it, then no more has rest. The eaglet is pushed out by the mother eagle. She throws the baby out, and as the baby is ready to hit the earth, the mother dives and lifts up the baby. This is repeated many times till he learns to fly. Okay, now that's the end of his prophecy. Now Bob asked Arthur a question. He said, the eagles that are birthed now, how long till they are mature? Now, this is 2009. Arthur, he thought very carefully, and then he answered, I don't know. Are they fully developed into God's plan and purpose? Have they reached the sacred, hallowed destiny? Now, see, that's all about you. You're the eagles. You're the one that God is taking higher to see the beyond of beyond. You're the one that will enter into the emptiness of nothingness to be clothed in righteousness. Now, isn't that amazing? The emptiness of nothingness. So you're going to give it all. You're going to give everything. Have you ever had to give everything? See, the greatest thing about that, when you give everything, you receive so much more. God's everything is so much greater than our everything. Yeah. You know? That's what I said when the Lord, I lived in Alaska, and the Lord told me, he said, I, you've been faithful in all things but one. I'm like, Lord, what? And he said, you're friends. Because, see, I was praying for my friends. There were still friends that needed saved, and I loved them. I want them with me in eternity. And he said, don't you trust me with them? I said, yes, Lord. He said, then you'd give them to me. You give me your friends, I'll give you mine. And he wouldn't let me call anybody anymore, you know. It was kind of hard when you're four hours difference time zone that, you know, my my phone only worked like after nine o'clock at night, which would be what, one o'clock in the morning on the East Coast. 
So, you know, it wasn't so hard. It wasn't so hard. But he gave me his friend. Bob was his dear friend. And through Bob, I get to know all of you, you know. Through Bob, I met Timothy and his lovely wife, Glenda. <laughs> and through them, I got to meet you. But, you know, God has so much more for us than what we can even imagine, you know. So, for Redding, he really wants to build his eagle's nest here, but he needs all of you to help, you know. There's that younger generation. See, we really need to be poured out to the Lord so that we can teach that younger generation. are getting quiet. <laughs> there are promises. If this is kind of like the tipping point of, um, or the turning point of the prophecy that Bob gave many years ago, and you would know that, you know, far better than me, then God's, what he's, what I see him doing with me now is old prophecies that Bob had, I am getting to see the fulfillment of them. You know, I, I so wish that Bob was here to see, like, this whole thing with this Gulliver. It's amazing. And I wish Bob was here to be a part of it. But, you know, he was, his health would never permit him, period. He's getting to see it from a whole different perspective. And in this, this is a prophecy Bob brought in 2005. It took, other people tried to make this happen. And it was never the right time. And they fell flat on their face. But, you know, man will try to do that. Man will take a word and try to make it happen. Okay? But when I had an angel come to me and tell just do it, you know. And I'll tell you about it tomorrow, but... Honest, the fear of the Lord was all through me, and I didn't know what to do. But you know what? He did. And so I sought him. Many, many years ago, the Lord had me out over the Great Lakes, and he said, prophesy to the winds. Okay? This time he's telling me, go release the winds. So see, it was all in hearing and obeying I get to see fulfillments of Bob's prophecies, and that's why I think I'm here now, is a prophecy that Bob had from a long time ago, and now he's saying to you, I'm just releasing a word. You get to be stewards. You get to live in it. I just get to tell you about it, okay? But he's trusting you to turn this thing around up here, okay? That's the thing. You're responsible. I'm just releasing the word. I think we need to pray into that. You're the boss man. <laughs> Would you like to do that? Okay, now the man from the galaxy. <laughs> the galaxy. Is that the phone that they recalled? Is it galaxy? <laughs> uh, huh? Galaxy, they recalled the galaxy. Yes, on the airplane, you're not allowed to use the galaxy. Huh? Galaxy 7. Yeah. 
Hey, you know what? I'm really excited about all the things that God's doing. It's just an exciting time to be alive. You know what? And um, he's just, he's just, it, it's been like a big pot, you know, and all this stuff thrown in there. And he's been stirring it up. And now it's like we're getting to dip the good stuff out. You know, all that scum's kind of, you know, settled. Now we get to get the, pull the good stuff out. So anyhow, we're going to have fun tomorrow because in the evening later after the galaxy, we're going to lay hands on everybody to, to whoever wants we're going to give. How's that? So, okay, we'll have the boss man come up here. Thank you for paying attention to me or putting up with me or something.